Chapter Twenty of the Heart's Kingdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Heart's Kingdom by Maria Thompson Davis. Chapter Twenty. The Covert of Wings. Oh, the faith of youth! the faith that reaches out to give itself sighed father as he turned to his papers can faith give itself i asked as i raised my eyes to the stars under dull gold through which gregory goodloe was pouring a great smile down into my depths sometimes just sometimes i think that perhaps it can it does he answered me slowly and took my hands in his and held them with their palms together prayer-wise a thing he had done several times in the weeks past then he turned and walked over to father's desk and stood looking down at him i want to dedicate the chapel on sunday mr powers as that is your last sunday before you go to washington he said and as he spoke he smiled first down into father's eyes raised to his and then into mine impersonally i couldn't trust myself to speak but turned and went up to my room to weep with a hurt that soon sent me to my knees blind for the comfort that came that i knew always would come now no matter what the hurt he knows it has come to me and he's thankful but he doesn't care i sobbed and then laughed at my own contradictions martha found me kneeling beside my window seat when she came in with mother spurlock and she shielded me until i could wipe away the tears and be as glad to see them both as i really was they were full of the plans for the dedication which it gave me another stab to find they had been discussing with mr goodloe for several days in the hard weeks that had passed i had been their confidant adviser and many times their helper in the reconstructing around the tragedies in the settlement but in this matter i had not been consulted in fact mother spurlock showed an embarrassed hesitation as she talked of it that still further hurt me and made me unenthusiastic and cold to their plans and why should i have been hurt that the surety in my heart had not declared itself to them without words so wonderful did it seem to me that i thought it must be in my every word and deed and look and i was confounded that as yet i was considered to be an outsider and not entitled to plan for the ceremonial of the dedication of the material fold for the reverend mr goodloe's flock and then suddenly my hurt was swept away by my sense of humour and i laughed to myself when i saw that to mother spurlock who had hungered and thirsted for my conversion i would have to prove it tell it and repeat it instead of the festal ceremonies in the dedication mr goodloe is going to have the simplest dedication ritual and then immediately hold the memorial services for our our dead said mother spurlock as she took martha's hand in hers and stroked it we want everybody to be there and i could use a few more of those trunks full of colored new clothes charlotte the people down in the settlement can use and wear after a dye pot when you can't bless your sweetheart and as she made her ruling request which was still strong in death she stroked the fold of dull black silk over my knee which was cut from the same material as the straight black widow's gown which martha wore 
make martha buy you some things for some of them i said lightly and watched martha as i spoke she had never by word or deed showed that she felt anything but adoringly dependent on me and my bounty and had put the cheque-book i had given her from mr cockrell away in my desk without looking at it i could see that my words both hurt and shocked her no oh no she faltered and turned away toward the window but martha i was beginning to say when an interruption burst into the room young charlotte stood before us and at her side the boy stood his ground with the huge book still in what must have been very tired arms their faces were belligerent and small james had upon his countenance the alarm he always shows during charlotte's most serious and dangerous outbursts mikey was along with his mischievous eyes dancing with delight at the fray auntie charlotte i think somebody ought to whip stranger for saying that minister said he had fairies in his stomach it is a lie i'll lick him for you miss charlotte offered mikey with a pass at the boy that i knew was only an affectionate threat i'll knock a stuffing out of you if you touch him answered charlotte taking mikey's offer with her usual literal directness when he's whipped nobody but auntie charlotte can do it are you going to do it now auntie charlotte we don't want the devil to get him for badness and as she spoke she took the boy's hand and held it tightly as if willing to defend him from the flesh the devil and the world only excepting myself but he did say that i had them here when i put my hand on it didn't he lady demanded the accused with more courage than i would have felt at meeting the accusation for him i simply couldn't face the explanation and i became craven mr goodloe is down in the library go ask him what he did say i suggested hopefully we looked everywhere for him and that is the place we skipped i felt sure you wouldn't know anything at all about it auntie charlotte but stranger said you know just as much as minister which is another thing i'm going to ask him about come on stranger and with her usual lightning rapidity charlotte began to marshal her forces out of the room please don't were the words i sent faltering after her determination to question mr goodloe about his and my relative erudition but i felt that they made no impression Sonny thinks about you just as Charlotte does about mr. Goodloe and he'll say so to everybody said Martha with a sad smile after the door had closed with vigor enough to startle the household He's a fine child said mother Spurlock with a great tenderness in her smile at Martha Did you ask mrs. Todd if that big hulk of a Jones boy could get into the coat that Dabney got me from the judge's closet she said continuing the subject in hand which lasted her for another hour when she went she took martha with her to carry half the bundles down to the little house the roof of which was the first thing to be patched in stricken goodloads that night i felt the hands of the stray on my face in the darkness and his soft cheek cuddled to mine you say there is fairies ladies he coaxed there are fairies and there always will be for you i answered as i drew him close and kissed the fragrant mouth so near mine go back to mother now i added as i felt the sleepy huddle of his little shoulder against mine he went and i promised myself that no matter how lonely i was to be i would always send him back to his mother 
and not ever forget that her claim was first tears were in my eyes as i turned my face into the pillow but suddenly the refrain of the song i had once heard in the night abide with me fast falls the eventide sung itself in my heart until i again fell to sleep the dedication day for goodloe chapel arrived upon goodloets just one month from the day upon which the beast of storm had ravaged it and as that fateful morning dawned with an extraordinary grandeur so that sunday in mid-october came up from behind paradise ridge with unusual beauty only with the difference of calmness instead of splendor and peace instead of tumult the sun was warm and benignant with not a cloud in the deep blue sky to obscure its blessing a gentle breeze blew in from the fields and meadows laden with rich harvest odors and every shrub and flower and vine which had been hiding back a few late buds let them burst forth in honor of the day and in many instances they bloomed from a new growth thrown over the scars in the sides of the old town in one short month most of the ruins had been reduced to orderly piles of materials to be used in rebuilding and a great many of the deepest gashes had been healed completely and covered with merciful vine and blossom and it had also been like that with most of the scars in the lives of the bereaved they ached but they had been covered with a courage to go on building again until the new structure could be complete I think something of this feeling was in the minds of most of the people as they began to assemble around Goodloe Chapel long before the time for its opening and as had happened once before the procession from the town met the procession from the settlement only this time they were not divided so completely from the right to the left a tall mill woman whose husband had gone down in the crash at the saddlery came and took Nell's hand in hers and laid a strong arm around her shoulders while Harriet went over and took from the arms of the young father the little motherless mite who had been rescued from the pillow floating on the river Billy shook hands with a young tanner in tight but wholly new clothes to whom Luella May Spain introduced him as her imminent husband in times of stress women are apt to seize and cling to the arm of masculine protection and Luella May had chosen to forget the fascination of Billy's hesitation and two steps and secure for herself a life of thorough normality she would probably never forget those dances with billy and they would lend a kind of reminiscent glow of pleasure over her boiling cabbage pots but it would be no worse than that mr todd was shaven and habitated in the neat black coat he had thrown off as he went at the ruin of the schoolhouse a month before and with a tender smile on his lean old face he came over and stood beside martha as if to be watchful of her in the new order of her life and it was for quite a half hour that most of the inhabitants of goodlets stood around in the yard of the chapel and waited for the formal opening of the doors we all knew that the chapel would not hold the half of us for the small presbyterian congregation had been dismissed by mr faraday to come over and join us for the dedication and after a short service the boy baptist divine had brought his flock to do honor to the opening of the new fold in fact by count almost every citizen in goodloe stood before the chapel doors and waited for them to be thrown open 
and in the crowd who waited there was this difference from the last time we had been together all the children were with us and not separated from us by walls that crash i think that the second meeting of town and settlement would have been impossible if each parent had not had the confidence inspired by the small hands in theirs and for still more minutes we were patient while the delicious autumn sun beamed upon us with indian summer warmth and old harpeth looked down on us from out on paradise ridge with its crown wreathed with purple and gold and russet all veiled in a tender haze then as the old clock on the courthouse up on the square boomed the hour of eleven dabney with ceremony opened wide the tall doors and stepped back into the shadow jefferson bowing and smiling behind him with one accord the people started towards the door and then everybody again stood still and seemed to be waiting for something i knew for what they waited and i took martha's hand in mine with the boy in hers on the other side and slowly we walked through the path made for us between our friends and neighbors and in at the chapel door as i passed harriet i motioned to her and she put her arm around nell and followed us while billy came behind them with father and the children and behind them walked all of those who had been bereaved by the storm and those who had been lamed and were suffering came with them my entry into the chapel had been accomplished and i felt like a storm-torn bird who finds its sanctuary among the green leaves of a great tree while with martha and the boy i went up to the very chancel rail itself then i lifted my eyes and looked up into gregory goodloe's face from which the white light of a great joy tinged with a great sorrow looked down upon us and as had been the case for all the long weeks stretched out behind me there was in his eyes no glance to me of a personal understanding all the passion was that of a shepherd for his flock and in its greatness i humbly acquiesced as i fell upon my knees in the front pew with martha beside me while he lifted his hands for the opening prayer of his service and in his short prayer he made the dedication of the pile of stone and mortar which had stood before the face of the wind as sturdily as old harpeth itself his words held the simplicity of those of a great poet and each was a separate jewel that could be embedded in the hearts of his people to last for the span of their lives he made a grateful acknowledgment of the safety of the chapel and of the spared lives of those before him and in the few ringing sentences he prayed that we all be delivered from the blindness of the prosperity which was upon us when the disaster had made us halt in our rush and give time for brother to face and call upon brother in affliction so ringing and vivid was the self-accusation of heedlessness in the few sentences when he dealt with the condition of all of us when sorrow had come upon us that we all held our breath with almost a groan of conviction and his promise of our humbled and contrite hearts was ratified with a breath of relief then we rose from our knees and sat once more facing him while he stood before us and began to read the memorial services for our dead and through the whole beautiful ritual he led us to the very words of triumph then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory 
O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The warmth in his beautiful voice and the light upon his face poured over us all with a healing that we knew would endure. After the dedication prayer and the memorial service, the old Presbyterian minister, whom we had all known and loved since infancy, talked tenderly and with great sympathy to us for a few minutes, and this stammering young Baptist divine gave us an insight into a heart of youthful devoutness. And then came my hour. And now that we have given to the Lord formerly this sanctuary we have builded for him, I want to open its spiritual doors to any of you who feel in your hearts a desire to unite with us in our worship of him, were the words of invitation that I suddenly felt beat themselves in the rich voice of the man in the pulpit upon my heart. I am going to baptize the children, but are there any of you of riper years who desire to unite with us to constantly believe God's holy word and obediently keep his commandments? And as he spoke, he came down from the pulpit, stood at the chancel rail, and stretched out his hands to all of us. Without a second's delay, I rose and went and knelt before him, and bowed my head in my hands. On my right knelt the young tanner, and on my left I felt, rather than saw, Clifton Gray. The ministration of baptism to such as are of riper years is long and full of holy austerity. Word for word, response for question, I followed the rich voice leading me, but not until it asked concerning our faith in the life everlasting did i raise my eyes to those glowing above me as i made answer all this i steadfastly believe there was an instant's hush in the church as i made my response and in all humility i seemed to feel that it reverberated in some of the others depths until it waked a faint echo they had seen me face my humiliation and had watched how I took it, and it had had its effect. It was as if I publicly led them to the wellspring of my courage and offered it to them. Luella May stole forward and crowded in between the young Tanner and me, and I saw great tears steal out of father's closed eyes and roll down his cheeks as he came and knelt just behind me, with two mill hands and several women. And then, after our blessing, while we rose and stood on the right and the left of the chancel, the parson asked that the children be brought forward for baptism. Without waiting for anybody to come with her, Charlotte rose, took a hand of Sue on one side and one of Jimmy on the other, and came and stood looking up into the beloved minister's eyes with such a vision in her young face that I caught my breath. Then Nell came, and with her came Harriet, and the suckling asleep in her arms. The bereaved young father held his baby in his arms alone, and Mrs. Burns went and stood beside him with Mikey and Maudie, and the other five toddlers in front of her. Other children were brought forward by parents from the town and the settlement, and were ranged to the right and to the left. But still I saw that Martha cowered in her pew, holding the hand of the stray in hers, as he knelt beside her. Then I knew what I must do, and I went quietly and lifted her and led her to the chancel to a place just beside where Harriet stood, 
with the suckling in her arms i held one of the stray's little hands in mine and young charlotte dropped jimmy's hand and reached out and took the other in hers so we stood and waited while the beloved voice read through the beautiful ceremony with which children are taken into the arms of their faith before they are yet ready to understand what it is some day to mean to them it is your duty to teach them to obediently keep God's holy will and commandments all of his life were the closing words of the address with which the parson looked us full in the eye and laid the vow upon our souls then he reached out his hands drew the stray to him first encircled him with his strong arm laid his hands on the bowed black head and looking me straight in the eye asked the question of his ritual name this child for an instant I glanced at Martha and then at father standing beside me and as he nodded I slightly bent my head and into the deathly stillness all over the chapel I let the name fall clear and distinct Nichols Morris powers a Beautiful ray of light flooded from one of the tall windows over both of us as he ratified the name with a few drops of water upon the boy's brow and then turned to Harriet and repeated the question while he took the suckling into his arms with the greatest tenderness Then through the group he went naming his lambs as he held them against his heart or within the circle of his strong arm It was all so tender and so beautiful that every eye in the chapel was wet with tears and sobs echoed softly through his last prayer However at one time in the ceremonial there was danger of a laugh from the aggregate overwrought nerves when Charlotte promptly named herself without waiting for Nell's response which came late but in time to save embarrassment Then it was all over and the whole congregation trooped out into the sunshine Father walked home with young Nichols on one side and Charlotte on the other Martha carrying the suckling and walking beside Harriet who led sue past the destruction of her white dress which every mud puddle threatened Cliff gray came with me slowly up the street after all the others had gone ahead and most of them had turned into the gates of their respective homes Is everything all right now cliff I questioned him as we walked slowly under the old elms of our ancestors planting Is it all right now? I asked again while cliff looked off into the distance I Have faith that I can make it that way now Charlotte dear he answered as I paused to turn in at my gate We clasped hands for a second and then he went down the street toward the cockerel gate and Letitia's material point of view on existence. I knew would have a fair chance at his hands I Felt that I had never loved my friends as I did that wonderful Sunday and I hoped it would not bore them if I at times let some of it overflow into their well-ordered lives The rest of that long hazy dreamy wonder day in the morning of which our hearts had been poured so full We all of us spent with father as he was to leave us the next morning against the remonstrance of his maternal parent the worthless Jefferson had been chosen to go along in the place of his father Dabney the young Negro's brisk packings filled the house with a joy note that was delightful and mammy admonished him on subjects moral every time he came near the kitchen 
Late in the afternoon I left father down in the garden with young Nichols, to whom he was confiding the care of some very choice hollyhock seeds that would need gathering in the next few weeks. Your father got them from England, the judge said gravely, as he showed the small paddies how to roll out the thin seed without crushing them. Have I got any father but the lady? asked the youngster, with all seriousness, as he beamed up in my direction. Suddenly Martha turned and went indoors and up to her room. I followed her and sat down beside the bed on which she had flung herself. You'll have to make him understand it all. I can't, she said, after I had tenderly hushed her weeping. I give him to you. I, I won't be with him long. As she spoke, I noticed how the light shone through her pale fingers as she held them up to clasp mine. We'll go away to Florida for a rest, Martha, I said with the reassurance I found I had constantly to use to her. There was a great and beautiful tenderness in the soul of Martha, but she was completely lacking in any of the worldly initiative that makes lives move on. She seemed to be standing still. Yes, I'll go away, she answered softly, as she unclasped her hand from mine, nestled her face in the pillow, and shut her eyes. I left her to sleep, and a year from that hour I knew that I had not understood the measure of her exhaustion. She faded like a flower, and drifted on into eternity like a gossamer thread in the breeze. And it was with some of the depression that a kind of maternal brooding over her gave me that I went out into the garden that night after all the rest had gone to bed. A pale silver moon crescent poised on the brow of old Harpeth, and a tingling little breeze was coming down from the north as if sent as a warning of the winter soon to be on us. I went down to the old grey-beard poplars, and their leaves seemed to hiss together in the moonlight instead of rustling softly as they had been all summer. A great many of them were drifted in dry waves on the grass, and their gold was turned to silver in the moonlight. Many of the tall shrubs were naked ghosts of their former selves, and gnashed their bones drearily. I leaned against the tallest old poplar, and looked out across the valley with a kind of stillness in my heart that seemed to be listening and then listening oh i'm thankful thankful that strength has been given me to endure it all life i said to myself almost under my breath and no matter what comes i can never lose it i can go out into life now alone and unafraid and whither thou goest i too will go and thy came the gregorian chant from close beside me and i turned to find the harpeth jaguar stalking me in the night then for a long time we stood and looked at each other he tearing away the veil from his man's heart and i laying aside that in my woman's breast oh i've needed you so i finally said with a catch in my breath as i put my hands in his which he put palm to palm then raised to his lips you were in God's hands, and I had to wait his time, he answered me, and I would have waited until the stars burned dim. As near as loss came, I never doubted. I had asked him for you. I didn't know I was going to join your church this morning, I faltered. I never intended to join your church. I was going to be either a Baptist or a Presbyterian, 
I was afraid to mix my faith with with you Hasn't it been tried sufficiently to stand any test I think so ah dear come to me It's been too long for me too His arms entreated me, but I held myself away with my praying hands pressed to his breast Are you sure that I'm not mixing you and your faith I asked looking him honestly in the face and giving voice to the thought that Nichols had put into my mind and which had tortured me all the weary months past did any thought of me make you bring Martha Ensley to Nichols's deathbed and take into your heart and home what the world calls dishonor no I answered with honesty to myself have you once since you knew knew felt that you must turn to me for comfort and help in one of your dire hours not once i answered again with honesty have you not learned to turn to him i have i answered that's god's love then you can give me the love that belongs to me in your heart's kingdom can't you i'm afraid i'm going to love you too much i feel it coming What'll you do with it stop me? I said with both a sob and a laugh as I began to let myself be drawn into the strong hungry arms You great big splendid woman of God you've got love enough in you to feed a multitude and you'll do it Give me a part of my share now. It's mine. God sent you to me. I'm going to take you and He did his lips pressed mine until I gave back a betrothal kiss that was as complete as a great red flower His arms held me so close that they were a circle of pain But all the while I kept my hands prayer-wise between the clamor of our breasts Say it the covert of thy wings all that David said I whispered and he answered I will abide in thy tabernacle forever I will trust in the covert of thy wings. End of chapter 20. End of the Heart's Kingdom by Maria Thompson Davis.